Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. This is where you learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. But this specifically is an operations-focused episode. So we're going to talk about some issues that uh, that you as the mega agent or team leader might benefit from, but it's also really, really great for you to give this or turn your operations manager or marketing director on to this episode of the podcast. Every single month, we bring you one episode that's a specific mastermind with operations people of the top teams around the country and consultants and coaches that deal specifically with the admin and operations side of real estate team building. And that's what we've got here today. So let's first bring in our operations manager himself, Kevin McGowan. Kevin, what's up today? Hey, Matt. How are you? Good, 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 man. Uh, and then good. we've got uh, our special guest, Brinley Tucker, here with us. Brinley, how are you? I am wonderful. Good. Good and to see everybody. And you're broadcasting from a gorgeous hotel room. I am from a gorgeous, this is my art and my pillow and, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> that's right so if, uh, well, if, if something good. happens with the Wi-Fi and we lose you just hop back on you never know hotel, hotel Wi-Fi is spotty but anyway we well, shall persevere they'll be, they'll be compensating for that if that happens because this that's is right. a very important call thank you good I'm glad you feel that way alright so we're going to get into cool, some cool stuff but Brinley first give us uh, give everybody that might not know who you are just a little 60 second bio on uh, who you are where you are and what you do yeah, so the name of my game is Leverage. I'm all about leverage. I have two companies. I have Your Realty Leverage and Transaction Management Academy. Uh, Your Realty Leverage focuses on coaching and consulting agents on recruiting and hiring and managing talent and then also coaching the talent through their training and development. And then Transaction Management Academy is focused towards transaction coordinators, training and develop, developing transaction coordinators that cover contract to close for teams. Very, very cool. And so, yeah, we we're just talking about uh, what we're going to cover on the show today. So probably the main focus is going to be fixing that revolving door uh, phenomenon mm -hmm. that a lot of real estate teams have. And, and we're going to go into why that exists and get both, you know, Brindley and Kevin's perspective on, on what they've seen. I mean, Kevin, you're managing multiple admin staff. And then we've got the Andy, the success manager, that's also like taking the agent management. So that's kind of off your mm -hmm. plate. Uh, so you're really right. free to deal directly with the admin staff and give everybody a sense, of, remind people of who is on the admin staff for the uh, for the main Omaha team. Yeah, for our flagship Omaha team, we have two transaction coordinators, one that specializes in the list side, the other on the buy side. Um, I also have a uh, kind of a marketing assistant, I guess you could say, um, as well as I do a lot of the marketing myself, so I'm also an, an admin. Um, and then Andy Cuny, our success manager as well. So. Yeah. All right. So just real quick on, on the admin side, uh, like how long have these people been with the Omaha team? I think one of them's fairly new. One's been there a long time. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Our transaction coordinator on the buy side, she's new as of just about six months ago, yesterday almost. Um, and then we, our listing coordinator has been on for about three years now. 
Um, so she's been on for, for a good long while, so that's good. Cool. And I know the transaction coordinator was uh, was Jeff's first hire back in the day. So, Brinley, take me through. What are some of the uh, like mistakes and pitfalls that like the average mega agent, rainmaker agent, whatever you want to call them, uh, the guys that are in the trenches selling the real estate, when they go to hire that first person or, or that transaction coordinator, maybe the second or third person they hire, but what are some of the mistakes they're making when they're hiring that position? Number one, the biggest mistake is that they're quick to hire and slow to fire. And so what we see is, you know, agents are always flying around. They're ABC, always be closing. They, they want everything quick, quick, quick. And what starts to happen, especially in the markets that exist today, is that their business explodes. And all of a sudden, they are... They're seeing leads fly out the window because they don't have the leverage, but they need somebody quick. And that's what they think. They think, I need someone quick. I need to fill this void. And so they rush a recruitment process. They don't follow a strict recruitment process to make sure that, A, they have the right skill set, and B, most importantly, they have the right cultural fit. So what they do is they look at a resume, they see a little bit of real estate experience, they meet with the person, you like horses, I like horses, yes, let's get in business together. Next thing they know, the honeymoon period wears off and they realize that they've got the wrong person in, in, in the role. And it ends up costing them more time and more money than it would to have taken their time in the beginning and hire the right fit. Yeah, I think I read a stat the other day that said the average uh, the average cost of a bad hire just for the hire themselves mm -hmm. is fourteen grand. That doesn't count About the cost of recruiting mm -hmm. and training the next person. Uh, so yeah, I mean it gets it gets real expensive real quick, and that's the you know that's not even counting all the turmoil that they can cause to uh, to your clients by providing bad service and all that good stuff. So uh, so hiring quickly and then firing slowly, big mistake. What are what are some of the other ones? I think also, you know, getting locked into someone so and, and, and not continuing your search. So what will happen is they'll start their recruitment process and then they'll, they'll have a candidate that they, they fall in love with, so to speak. And we should never fall in love during a recruitment process because what happens is you still have the remainder of that process left that you don't know what could happen. And recently I had a client that they had two individuals. They fell in love the first time. They stopped looking because they thought they had their hire and they didn't accept the offer. And so they had oh, wow. to start all over again at the beginning and then it happened a second time. And so they finally have just hired their, their, their third candidate. And when I asked the director of ops what their number one lesson was, they finally had the aha moment that we always have to keep our bench full. We always need to be looking for talent. I can't tell you, um, we went to a restaurant last night here in Nashville when we were here about four months ago. We went to the same restaurant and there was a server and she was awesome and I handed her my phone number. And last night when we were back at the same restaurant, my partner, he said to me, I wonder what happened to that waitress that you gave your phone number to. And I looked at him and I said, one of these days they're going to call. You know, but I keep giving my phone number out, A, because I think real estate is an amazing opportunity for people, but also there's tons of people looking for good leverage. So really you should be looking everywhere for talent and constantly recruiting that talent because as your business grows, you just want to have people that you can pull off the bench that you've already taken through that recruitment process, right? Because the goal is the more leverage, the more production, the more production, the more leverage. Yeah, and that's uh, let's get into that a little bit from from the perspective of the ops manager, maybe the one that's being leveraged. So, what do mm -hmm. they need to know, uh, maybe and what to what to expect in terms of when they when they land that job? Most likely, they've landed that with somebody that did not follow that process. So, 
<laughs> so what do you do if you're that if you're that operations manager slash marketing director? You've landed in that role. You're working with a rainmaker agent. What are, what's some advice for them? I think the number one thing is expectations. Um, funny story this morning, I a friend of mine said, "Post the last picture in your cell phone." Um, on my comments, just humor me. Let's have some fun. And the last picture, the last picture in my phone was from a recruitment event that I went to that was called the Expectations Conversation. And she wrote and commented and said, "Wow, I wish." I said, "I'm a geek. This is the last picture in my phone." And then she said, "Wow, I wish my last job would have had a conversation like this." And you know, it's from day one, sitting down and saying, "Okay." What is my role? What is your role? What am I responsible for? What are the expectations that you're expecting from me as your ops director, as your piece of leverage? We talk often, and Gary Keller himself has said it, that the top five things a real estate agent should be doing are lead generation, lead follow-up, going on appointments, negotiating contracts, and scripts and, and practicing scripts. Everything else should fall and be let fall on your leverage and be leveraged. So I think the number one thing is setting the expectations. It's a lot easier to meet expectations when they're set from day one than to try to change them six months down the road. And then number two, the most important thing is communication. You know, from day one, having a conversation, how do you like to be communicated with? How do you like to receive information? Um, you know, communicating at the beginning of the day what are the tasks I'm going to complete today as the operations manager or as the piece of leverage? And then at the end of the day, sending an end of a day report that says this is what I accomplished to make sure that everybody's always on the same page. Communication is happening because what happens is you have these rainmakers that are the complete opposite personality of your leverage. Yeah. They're, they're complete opposites. They communicate in two different ways. So it's very important from the beginning that they start to understand how one another communicates with each other, that the ops manager or the piece of leverage not take the high D personality, that rainmaker, too personal when they're direct and aggressive, and that the high D rainmaker be sensitive to the piece of leverage that sometimes takes things a little bit more personally. Yeah, that's that's a difficult thing. I mean, Kevin, you and I have talked around and or talked and joked around about this because oh, yeah. uh, both of us working with Jeff and yeah. uh it's it's one of those things like I'll I'll get on Jeff I'm like dude that email is so harsh he's like what do you mean and they, he just he does <laughs> no, not yeah. he does not understand um, yeah. but I mean, Kevin you've over the years of working with Jeff I mean you've your personality right. I would I would venture to say your personality like your D has probably gone up didn't we talk about that on your yeah design? yeah it, it has it's just kind of maybe just a natural progression over the years you know of, of you know just kind of you know acquiring some of that personality trait from him you know whatever it might be or you know, just as the business has grown and it's just grown bigger and, and to be, you know, quite frank, you just don't have the time for all of the SC things that I used to do. I had to just become more of a D um, kind of naturally just to kind of keep things up and running. But that being said, I'm still very much so kind of, I'd say on the SC um, end of that, uh, you know, obviously the, the disc uh, spectrum there, but just to kind of uh, go off of Brindley's two points there, the first one being setting those expectations. I couldn't agree more in the fact that whether you're an agent on our team or whether you're a member of our admin staff, we have that person spend a lot of time with the team before there's any sort of uh, formal job offer or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. Actually physically showing them the office space, where they would be working, who they'd be working with, you know, let them have one-on-one -on -one conversations with especially the direct people that they'd be working with, um, you know, and, and all that, it's just so that they, the proper expectations are set correctly and they do know what they're getting into. Furthermore, even after that job 
is offered, should they do, should they accept it, there's still a probationary period for the first couple of months there. And we do that for both ends, both for us as a company and for them too. We always are talking about wanting to make sure it's a win-win and they enjoy their job and what they're doing. So it kind of gives them that mm-hmm. out, I guess you could say a little bit. That if, you know, if, if it wasn't exactly what they thought of, you know, you know, 90 days into it, whatever it might be, um, then there can be kind of like a no hard feelings type conversation. Um, and then, uh, you know, that, so that, that's just, that's definitely a very important part of it. But yeah, second point in terms of personality traits, knowing who you're working with um, and understanding, I just definitely, I, I just kind of had to learn, you know I mean? Prior to coming into this business, I really wasn't working with a whole lot of high D personalities like Jeff is, and he's just, you know, a million miles an hour. So it was a little bit of shell shock the first, you know, couple of months, but then once I got a really good feel for who he was as a person and just how he worked and then how, you know, we're just kind of like the yin yang that just happens to work perfectly on this, that, you know, he's the delegator and then I just kind of, you know, hit the ground and make things, make things happen. Um, but it's, it's definitely, I agree with you completely, Brinley, is just that, you know, that, that revolving door, I think, starts to revolve because people maybe might not understand their expectations and then the personality types that they're working with. And they're like, well, this isn't anything what I thought it was going to be. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're often on something else. So, yeah, I'm curious, Brinley, I mean, when you're. Yeah, when you're when you're recruiting, you're helping because because you see it a lot from the other side, right? Like admin staff going through the transaction academy, uh, and I, I probably screwed the name up, but like like you're you're helping them pair up with with teams, and you're seeing it from their perspective as well. So they're mm-hmm. coming into it from other jobs, other industries, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Their expectations have got to be completely out of whack with what it's really like to work in a real estate team. Mm-hmm. This is like the wild wild west out here. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, the most important thing, you know, like Kevin said, is being completely transparent from the beginning. You know, be honest. You know, don't be afraid to be honest. It's going to end up costing you more money down the road um, if you're not honest and you're not transparent. Like he said that, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to go, whoa, this is not what I expected. Um, you know, if you have a team environment where there's a lot going on and, a, you know, and a lot of different personalities, you know, Yes, have them come in, meet the team, let them see a day in the life of so that they have a, a clear understanding of what they're stepping into. You know, this is if you're truly providing opportunity and, and I'll and I'll talk about that a little bit, you know, you want to be providing opportunity within your team for the people that you hire. You know, what are their financial thermostats? What are they trying to accomplish? What's their big why? And I think once you understand their big why, then you're able to see if your big why and your team's vision align with them. And if you can provide them opportunity within your team, and if you can show that as well as show transparency as to what they're stepping into, then they're going to be fully confident when they come into that role. You know, it's we always say in corporate America that you shouldn't be talking about your feelings when I believe all you should be is talking about your feelings. All you should be is talking about how how I'm feeling at this moment, checking in with them. Like he said, you know, like Kevin said, a probationary period, a 90-day or a 100-day action plan. You know, this is what you're going to accomplish in your first week, your second week, so on and so forth. And then checking in with them every week. How are you feeling? Are you comfortable? Um, is there anything you don't understand? You know, asking lots of questions as their leader. Um, so, and, and as the ops manager and as the assistant asking questions. I always say the only stupid question is the one you don't ask, right? There should be no stupid questions and providing that open communication line to say you're not going to be judged um, for asking questions. We want you to ask as many questions. We want you to constantly be telling us how you're feeling and what's going on so that we can set you up for success. 
Yeah, and I, I'm curious about that because I want to go into it from the operations manager and the admin side of it a little bit more because you've you've got some information that you can give away that's intended for like the the team leader, the rainmaker. So I want to I don't want to step on on that and cover all that stuff. But what what are some of the mistakes that you see from the operations side? of mm -hmm. how they're, tr ex like the expectations they have coming in and then trying to work with a Rainmaker agent. What are some of the mistakes you see on the admin side, the operations side? I think they get afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, it's because they're dealing with a high D personality that can be rather demanding that just starts throwing things at them. They don't ask, they're afraid to ask questions and they just start doing it and then they get frustrated when they don't know how to do it and they, and, and you shouldn't be expected to know how to do it. Um, you know, it's a new role. You should be open to asking questions, but I think they get in fear, almost paralyzed by fear. Most of that, of that SC behavior or that profile for that job are not um, confrontational. They're not people that are going to step out of their comfort zone. They don't like change. They don't like their snow globe turned upside down. So they're going to do whatever they can to keep the peace. And so I think it's from the beginning, if they can understand that that's their personal, that's their behavioral style, and that they're going to have to step out of their comfort zone a little bit and and ask questions and and really understand, you know, high Ds can very much come in and do the brain dump. You know, they come in in the morning and they go, Bleh, I need all of this done. And then they come back to you at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and they ask you, well, why isn't this done? And the assistant or the ops manager goes, well, you told me to do this, 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 and this. Well, the one missing question was, what's the priority, yeah, right? They totally brained true. up, but then they don't communicate what the priority is, and then the admin's afraid to ask, so they just start working, and the next thing you know, we're not on the same, same page. Also, you know, a good piece of leverage is going to manage the rainmaker, not the rainmaker manage the leverage. So if, if an ops manager from day one can understand that they own everything and they can start learning how to manage their rainmaker, the more successful they're going to be in their role. Yeah, that's that's totally that's something I've noticed because I have two different um, I, assistant is a bad word, but they they assist me in running like the podcasting end of the business mm -hmm. and do all the back end work of real estate uncensored, right? So I have one gal in the Philippines. Exactly mm -hmm. like what you said. Like, does not understand like how to work with a high D. Like, needs permission for everything. Needs repeated, recurrent, active, mm -hmm. expressed. You know, permission for literally everything. Uh, and then I have to. I have to like. And you're oh my God! It's uh, like I have a Trello board. Where I have to organize all of her priorities. So if I give her something, I go in there and I move things around so that the, the pri order of priorities are still clear. And then I have my my gal here in the states that used to work with me back when we were at Viral Marketing, and she I literally sat across from her for six months at a folding table with a bunch of computer monitors on it, and she knows That's me. Awesome. She manages yeah. me. Like she tells me, okay, now here's what I need. I need this from you. I need this from you. Give me this. Make a decision on that. I'm like, perfect, fantastic. Exactly. That's exactly. I think I think a, a piece that can really help too, especially kind of upfront is actually just reviewing and discussing the disc personality test that we would have, we should mm -hmm. all would have just had our, had them take, right? So whether you're an agent or admin, if you're being hired on any one of our teams, you're taking that disc test, right? So you can, you know, there's a lot of people too who m might not understand what that is or they've never taken it before, maybe some type of version of it. But you sit, you sit down and say, see here, you kind of fall into these categories. You're a little bit higher on the SC scale of things. Here's a DI. Uh, it looks like just on the scale so you can just kind of almost knock that out right up front you know 
and talk about the different ways that a DI would communicate to an SC and how an SC is supposed to kind of, you know, digest all that information and, and all that kind of stuff too. And, you know, I, I remember a conversation I had back with Jeff, our DI, um, you know, back when I was first getting hired, he actually said that one of the reasons why he hired me as well, amongst many others, I'm sure, um, but uh, was just that he was uh, impressed that I could actually disagree with him. He wasn't used mm -hmm. to that. Um, you know, and I'm not saying for all those ops managers or admin out there to just instantly go out there and start disagreeing with your, you know, with your high D personality. But um, he, he at least had the kind of personality that though he was the high D and I could say, yeah, but I think that it should probably go this way. Or maybe we should prioritize this because that would fall in that sequential order of getting everything done that you want to and it just make more sense and all that. You know, he's very good about understanding that kind of stuff, too. So, um, yeah, and that, once again, kind of just comes back to how that little, you know, piece of D personality in me is, is definitely growing over the years. So I'm getting maybe a little bit more and more confrontational, um, but hopefully in a good way as, as I kind of more am running the show at this point. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I think that, I think that it speaks, A, to your DI, but I also think that once SCs have permission and are given permission to bring out that D behavior, they're more inclined to do so. That's so right. the faster that they can ask and, and the faster the ops manager, and I, I don't like the word assistant either, so I'm going to say talent and, and leverage. The faster that that piece of leverage or that talent can ask their DI for permission on how to hold them accountable, how to disagree with them if they don't necessarily agree or they think they have you know, what might be an alternate solution, and get that permission up front. Um, because I think you'll see we all, have, we all have all personality traits within us. It's just what our natural behavior and our adaptive behavior is. It's not to say that we can't draw that D out at times. It's just with an SC, they don't want conflict. And so it can be perceived that if they come out or they bring that D out as they're proposing conflict. So it's, it's again, having that, like you said, when they sit down, Kevin, at the beginning, have that expectations dialogue and explain that disc and give one another permission um, on how to communicate with each other. Ask your DI, you know, how you want, how they want you to handle those situations. So it's a win-win. And I'm curious about something, Brindley. So I mean, a, a lot of times you'll just have a couple of layers of, of um, I guess, on an org chart. And, and your average real estate team is going to have your rainmaker, and then it's going the people directly that report to them. So there's only two layers. When you have that third layer, where you have someone mm -hmm. that's an operations director, or marketing director, whatever, they would you advise them to almost act like a buffer between the lower level staff and the rainmaker and take what the rainmaker says and then redistribute, like reinterpret, re, you know, kind of not dumb it down, but it has to be like, I, I feel like that someone in that operations manager role almost has to take what the rainmaker does, sift it, filter it, and then repopulate it out to the lower level staff in a way that protects them from a lot of the confrontational part of the DI. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I think Kevin can probably attest to this that, you know, when you get to the level of having the luxury of having an ops manager and you're going into hiring that third level, who's going to recruit and hire an SC better than an SC? right? They're going to understand their behavior. They're going to know how they work well. Um, they're also going to be a buffer and an advocate for that hire between the rainmaker and the piece of leverage. So they're going to be able, you know, like Kevin has worked with Jeff for 
quite a bit of time. He's probably the best person to communicate to a new hire how Jeff operates. Now, the one thing to be careful of is you don't want the Rainmaker so disconnected that there's not that team environment and that culture. So I think it's the day-to-day operations, absolutely. The operations manager, their their role is to manage the, the, the other pieces of leverage and the talent on the team, and they report to the Rainmaker. But I think there needs to be weekly team meetings and you know team events and outings where the Rainmaker is involved so that culture and that team setting is there. Also, what it does is it provides the Rainmaker to really – have quality time with his employees and using his time, you know, for additional coaching or to mainly to focus on sales making activities. But when it comes to his role with the team, really being able to be available as the expert on the team to really help their development and their coaching and make sure that everybody's big whys are being met. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, coming from my end, I couldn't agree more with both of you, really. I mean, really, it just you know, the, the advantage that I have, and I always kind of wonder, you know, if, if I were to go back and, and maybe I just got hired in this position, say a year ago, instead of being on the ground floor of it six years ago, um, you know, how different that might be. But the whole point, what I'm getting at is that I know Jeff, like the back of my hand. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, w- without even having, you know, I, I can just infiltrate his brain. And I just know how he works, right? Um, and that was just thanks to us spending so much time together up front on, in, the, in the team building phase or when we were building out our team. The first 18 months, it was 12 to 16 hours a day, every day. You know, So I do have that luxury, I guess you could call it, and that advantage of knowing exactly it is that how he thinks. But having the DISC as the buffer between the DI and the SC you know, just really helps because I'm translating stuff all the time for him into ways that the SCs you know, and understanding and give them more of a workable path. I know what his end goal is. So then I can then break that down into individual steps that I can then give to the SCs and, and get the, the result that makes everybody happy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think Kevin's a unique, like like in a perfect fit for an operations director role because you need that balance. I mean, you have to have that engineering personality. You have to have the stability, the consist, the just relentless consistency to get stuff done. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to have. But in order to get stuff done, a lot of times that means managing yourself and other people. So you have to have a little bit of the D that says, "All right, let's let's get our butts in gear and do something." Uh, yeah, so exactly. it's hard to find that mix. And and Kevin, what like I think the biggest struggle probably for rainmaker agents that might be listening to this episode. Um, guys that are they they don't they don't have that third they're not at the third level of their team it's, it's them and the the leverage that they have directly around them that reports to them is you as the rainmaker have to be intimately involved in building the systems that you expect people to run and uh, one thing I always admired about Frank at Viral was he was like his and he, he didn't invent this obviously but he follows it pretty religiously which is I do it we do it and then you do it and I see people skipping that step a lot. Uh, they don't want to do the I do it. They definitely don't. Then, then that leads to them skipping the we do it, and it all just becomes you do it. And uh, I think the hardest part, you know, is the the creation of the systems. And what Jeff did is he partnered up with Kevin, and they built mm-hmm. the systems together. Like that mm-hmm. seems to me to be like the ideal. 
you know, so Berlin, I mean, it's, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the best thing is, you know, we're talking about emerging talent before we started recording, so I want you to go deeper mm -hmm. into that, but, I mean, imagine if you can find someone like Kevin that's an emerging talent, like, relatively mm -hmm. fresh out of college, like, personality, like, all the work habits and stuff like that haven't yet really set in. You're not fighting a bunch mm -hmm. of horrible bad habits from other corporate jobs. I mean, that seems to me to be kind of the ideal scenario for, for grooming and developing the right operations manager. When you're, so emerging talent is, when you look at their skill set, their job that they did previously possesses the skill set that will fit into this role, and this job makes the most sense. So this role that you're hiring for makes the most sense for their next step in their career. So mm -hmm. that's emerging talent, and emerging talent is kind of your sweet spot, and that's what's going to be able to, like, rocket you to the next dimension. But like you said with Kevin and Jeff, Kevin, did you have real estate experience when you came in to work for Jeff? Zero. Zero, right? I mean, and I could say, I mean, just to backtrack on that, for about six or eight months, I worked with another uh, small little two-person real estate team, but I was more in sales at that point. And so in the current capacity that I'm in, I really, no, I came from a corporate background working at Union Pacific Railroad. And that's what we are finding. We're finding that a lot of talent is coming from outside the industry. So it is going to be important for the rainmaker to be involved with building the systems. But I always say the best system is the one you're going to use. So you also have to have the SC and the leverage and the talent's input because if you're building a system that they're not comfortable with or they can't wrap their heads around or it's not going to maximize their efficiency, then it's not a good system. So it's so important that the two work together to come up with the best systems, but then also give each other permission to tweak the system because as the ops manager or the talent learns more about your business, the goal is that they're going to find more efficient ways to do things and systems are going to change. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also about finding that the talent of the person who recognizes that things can and should change mm -hmm. to be more yeah. efficient for the business, as opposed to just somebody who just takes orders from the high D and just says, okay, well, I'm just going to run this out until it dies. You know, you have to kind of have that mentality that you're building a business, you're continuing to improve it at all times. And yeah, I mean, what better way than just the natural progression of working in those systems and being mm -hmm. the expert in all those systems? I mean, everything that we've implemented on the team. I've had to be the expert in because I'm also like the IT guy and, you know, all that kind of stuff that kind of <laughs> runs under the ops manager type role. So um, so it, it forced me to be the expert in it. But, you know, I mean, that the, the whole I mean, that's what's nice about it is just that um, I, I know them so well that if I can see any holes or fill any gaps or make anything a little bit more efficient, you know, I can go to that. And what does a deep personality love more? than an operations manager coming and saying, hey, I think we can make this better. I think we can make more efficient. I think yes. we can make more money. You know, like that's basically all they want to hear, right? You know, they don't want to hear any of the details about, you know, like how all the little kind of day-to-day stuff is going. It's it's more of the big picture thinker, kind of like what they are. That's what they relate to. Um, but yeah, I, I think at the same time, they have to not make that mistake being the rainmaker agent thinking, oh, well, I hired this person, so I don't have to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. This can all be done by somebody else. And you know, I can just go work on my other businesses or play golf or whatever it is that that person wants to do. Um, there's definitely, especially up front, you know, I'd say for the first 12 to 18 months, a very intimate relationship between the rainmaker and that ops manager. If you truly want them running your business like you want to, then, you know, I mean, don't, I mean, 
the ops manager is still an SC, and SC still needs to know all the steps and how everything you know works in the grand scheme of things. They see the big picture, but they want to know all the inner workings as well, and I think that's what makes a good role. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, you know, it's important. Um, I get asked, and I and I I tell ops managers and leverage this all the time. I hear them say, "Well, my rainmaker wants it done a certain way." And I don't know if I can make them change it or I'm afraid to go to them with a new system in which I always say, if you can add value to a Rainmaker's business and you can present the value, they will change anything. So it's important that if the system is going to increase production or if the system is going to help the business run more efficiently, Lead with that value when you go to your Rainmaker. Go to your Rainmaker with, this is what I want to change, this is why I want to change it, and this is the value that it's going to add to our business. And if you can explain and come from the value first, you'll have the buy-in right from the beginning. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. That's actually coming back to kind of almost how I was hired. Jeff and I ended up on the phone one night uh, before we were working together, and I had this grand vision of, building out this website that, you know, like ranked agents, basically like an Angie's list, but for real estate agents kind of type thing. Um, but uh, so, I mean, it was just more so being kind of that that visionary and, and having ideas of, you know, if I had money, what I would do with it and where I would go with it. He just saw that and he's like, yep, we need a partner right away and get going mm -hmm. on this team. And I love that you just said partner, Kevin. You know, I think that if ops managers and leverage can start looking at themselves as partners in the business instead of staff or employees, that is a huge confidence builder in the role, and it's a huge buy-in into the vision of the team and what's happening. Um, if you're on a team and there is not a written mission statement, vision statement, and a list of core values, I encourage you to get with your Rainmakers ASAP and get that written so that everybody is partnered and has that, that mission and that vision that they're headed towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the level of the relationship that I feel like needs to be had between the Rainmaker and, and ops. And then ops with their admin staff. If you're managing, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it should all filter down. Um, Absolutely. And with, our, with our success manager, even with the agents, you know, I mean, really the, the beautiful thing about it is we really all are just kind of partners in the fact that nobody's W2 employees, right? You know, so yeah. we're, we're just kind of this collective group and community that shares this culture. And so mm -hmm. we're all partners in this together to just make this whole big wheel spin, you know, and I think, you know, that's definitely the way that it should be looked at. So um, I do the same thing with my admin staff. We meet every Friday. Um, for our one-on-one -on -one for both my transaction coordinators and we're always just talking about things outside of business you know both of them just so happen to have funerals last week and so we spent most of our time talking about that um, yeah. as opposed to you know oh you know what was paperwork like last week you know it's kind of kind of a, a broader bigger picture and it definitely certainly helps with uh, retention as well. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about retention, it's we're so quick to point out the negative and we're so quick to point out what they're not doing right. Um, are we receiving praise? You know, how do ops managers and leverage, you know, communicating to your rainmakers how you like to to be appreciated? How, how do you like to be shown appreciation? How do you like to be told, you know, that you're doing a good job? How often do you need that? Some of us need affirmation quite a bit. Some of us don't need affirmation at all. Some of us need affirmation towards and praise towards the task. Some of us need praise and affirmation towards us as individuals. Most SCs are task driven, so their appreciation, they want to be told that 
the job was good, that they did a good job on the project, that they completed everything, where your eye behavior wants to be told that they're great and that they did a great job. So it's also, you know, making sure that if, if, if you aren't receiving praise or you don't feel that you're being appreciated, just ask. DIs fly so quickly that they don't even realize. They know in their head that you're doing a good job, and their mindset is you won't have a job if you're not doing a good job. So they don't they don't necessarily think <laughs> no news is good verbally, news. Yeah, yeah, I need to verbally give praise or appreciation, and I think that's really important. It is. Yeah, that was that that last the last couple of minutes of this was worth the entire episode right there. Like just <laughs> just get if you're listening to this, just that that awareness of like people receive praise in different ways because obviously DIs are going to give, we're, we're going to tend to give praise the way we want to be praised, whatever that is for you, whatever your personality type is. You're always going to give praise the way you expect to receive it or the way you want it. So it all goes back to like the five love, love languages and all that good stuff. So anyway, go read that book. Um, but I want to talk about resources. So first of all, uh, Brendan, what's your resource for people so that they can take a step closer to you? And then if there's any other resources like uh, influential books that you might want to mention that's kind of helped you along your journey of working with leverage and helping other people work with leverage. Absolutely. So if you want to reach out to me, go to um, talentmistakes.com. You can download a free ebook on the five mistakes um, to avoid when you're recruiting and retaining ad administrative staff and talent. And then as far as books that I would recommend, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team is incredible. Um, if you're an ops manager or you're looking to build a team, you need to read this book. It talks about um, you know the non-existence and the existence of conflict within a team, and how it can provide culture and 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 big ideas and big thinking, and you know also where to find the gaps in your team and bring people into the fold and how they communicate. It's a great book. And then right now I'm reading um, what to say when you talk to yourself. Um, this is a very hard business. Um, it's a very it can be a very negative business at times. We get pulled in a lot of different directions. SC, our SCs out there, you're very sensitive. Um, mindset is just as important for what you're doing every day as it is for a DI that's in sales. And this is a book on um, our programming and how we speak to ourselves and using our, our words positively versus negatively. Yeah, that's really good. I was reading a book this morning where he uh, he lists out some of the negative, the negative voices that you have. He says, I call them gremlins. I thought that was a great, great phrase for that. Um, all right, so then uh, let's talk about uh, the, the team building workshop. So there's there's an additional component to that. We haven't talked about this much on the show, but like if you're a rainmaker agent and all that good stuff, you can uh, go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com and you can learn more about the uh, workshops there. Um, but uh, I don't know where the where's the construction at? Is that Brindley? Is that you? Oh, that might be me. Sorry, guys. All right. <laughs> trying to figure somebody barked back in your truck it's into it's your it's hotel room. Yeah, yeah exactly. that was real. That was real fun at five o'clock this morning. Yeah, I oh, bet. oh, that stinks. All right, so Kevin, tell us a little bit about the uh, the admin workshop that we're adding, kind of onto yeah. the team building workshop. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really exciting addition to our team building workshop, and the fact that it's kind of just something that developed as we were doing our team building workshops that were more directly focused for the team leads and the, and the high DIs. Um, but we specifically have an SC admin workshop. Um, it's about $1,000. We do it once a month. Uh, and it can be in addition to our regular team building workshop, as in the high D or the Rainmaker can bring admin staff if they want to. Or they can just, you know, uh, if you hear about it through this podcast or anything like that, you can obviously sign up individually. But um, what we do is 
but it's an all-day workshop. It's only one day, so it's very accomplishable and manageable. But you'd spend that day with me, and I have a whole roster of topics and things like that that we would go over and essentially breaks down every little piece of our business, um, both kind of, you know, really the, the core business side of things as well as kind of the, the other things that we've talked about, about personalities and, and so on. Um, and we just go and do that all day and hopefully adds a lot of value to people, but um, in the end brings back a lot of actionables that they can take back to their team or how, how it is that they want to be treated or, you know, kind of all the same things that we've talked about a little bit today too. Yeah, so. along with uh, a lot of that, like it really peel back the curtain on the systems and the spreadsheets, the tools, right. the, the checklist, all that stuff that kind of runs the business on the inside, which if you're an ops manager, especially if you're new, that would be huge to get that kind of access. And then if you walk, you walk away from that with lifetime access to the Google Drive, so everything we ever create and everything we ever have created uh, for our teams or including our expansion teams around the country all goes into that drive. Uh, so that's an incredible resource for anyone that's uh, that has the task of managing a team and working with a, a high DI rainmaker. So, anyway, uh, with that being said, that will be all the promotional for the all the promotional stuff for this. Connect with uh, with all of us. So make sure to go to talentmistakes.com, download the free information that Brinley has. You can also connect with her, uh, and then uh, EliteRealEstateSystems.com to connect with me and Kevin and all that good stuff and learn more about the team building workshops and all the stuff that we're doing there. And with that said, everybody, let's uh, wrap this one up and send it on home. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so Thanks much. for having Thanks me. Much.